Canadian and you go to the US to travel, bring Canadian yeah. quarters. Because yeah. when you yeah, because if you if you buy like uh, you know those machines for candy or something and you put in a Canadian quarter, you're only paying like twenty cents. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> getting a getting a bargain on the uh on the bubble gun. That's exactly which it. essentially is worth about two cents. So you're still you're not getting as robbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still pretty yeah still expensive though oh uh, yeah hey can i ask you about the episode you just released today yeah man what was it could you refresh my memory on the name let's all agree let's all agree <laughs> i like it man let's all agree um i only got about halfway halfway through it so i i didn't get through it all but um you know, is is like, is that episode about forgiveness? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you know, maybe I make everything. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> like forgiveness, you know, but it's like the steps to, you know, I mean, going going through this process and thinking about that, like it was very practical. Like you put mm-hmm. a lot of thought into that. But it seems like like a path to and maybe forgiveness is like a bad word or something like that, but like you know, if you had to sum it up and I know you the title's only three words, but yeah. you know, if you had to sum it up into one word, like what is that like a path to? I don't know. I would actually say commonality, maybe. Yeah. Maybe commonality, because that's the whole point of that was that I, you know, you look at people arguing about shit. I actually saw this on Rogan's podcast. He was interviewing, I think Matt Walsh, I think it was, but uh, it was just very clear to me that they were, they were bumping around what they actually disagreed on. Um, They were talking about gay marriage, I think. And, um, and there was like, it was so obvious to me listening, you know, and I'm outside the conversation, so it was easier for me, but it was so obvious what they actually disagreed on, but they kept dancing around the issue. And, you know, so I really got thinking about that. And it's so crazy to me that people will argue so much about how to do things. But then if you take a step back, you cut, you, you see that you have different goals. It's like you're, you're not even agreeing on the goal. It's like, if you want to go, if you want to go to Europe and I want to go to, to China, it's like, why are we going to argue about, it's like you and me trying to pick out flights online. Can you imagine that? How crazy that would be? And I'm like, no, 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 we need to get this flight. And you're like, no, 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 flight 279. And then we take a step back and we're like, wait a minute, you're going to London and I'm going to Hong Kong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard that conversation as well. And it's, uh, I don't know, to, to me, it's an example of, um, you know how I'm big on like views and beliefs. 
you know, like in philosophy, the thing of like, how does the world work and like metaphysics and whatever it may be, but more like simply put, it's just like your, your view and belief on a particular topic, like in that conversation on Rogan, it's just like opposing views and beliefs Mm -hmm. on a particular thing. So it's, where can you, like, what can you do about that? Like, is there some sort of solution beyond like unless someone's view and belief changes you know it's like that's just where you that's just where you are but i don't know i think it uh you know how the whole thing of like defining terms and things like that or it's like same thing we okay where do we want to go brandon (laughs) you know it's like pretty important that the thing of like defining terms which maybe kind of connects with views and beliefs even before you get into some sort of dialogue, you know, it's like understanding the other, the other person a bit and yourself. Like sometimes we don't even know our own. You have to know what people are talking to, what people mean when they say specific words and it's not obvious. And um, I think I told you this before uh, i'm sure i did actually but yeah i was having a conversation about someone uh, regarding racism in the west and um and they brought up systemic racism that term and and i asked and i wasn't being a dick about it i was like, like what do you mean by systemic racism and um they took it to mean you're saying systemic racism doesn't exist. And that's not like, that's not what it was at all. I was literally asking, what do you mean by that? Because it is really important. Like, are we talking about, is there racism in the laws? Is there racism in, uh, in the culture? Like it, it really matters what we're talking about when we define certain, when we say certain terms. Um, yeah. I mean, in ancient Rome, if you couldn't define a term in a debate, you lost the debate. It's like you you say the word divine, and I say, Josh, what do you mean by divine? If, if and if you can't give me like an answer, it's like, well, here you are. Yeah, it is like, why is that a challenging? Uh, <laughs> well, that's a hard it one. It is kind of a weird. <laughs> it is a weird thing to do. Um, I do. <laughs> I do that on most uh, like podcast conversations. Go through and do this uh, like defining terms and stuff like that. But I don't know. I wonder now that. <laughs> Now that you mentioned that, I wonder if that's a bit, uh, um, like, could be taken a bit offensive, you know? Not if you're in a philosophy like, discussion, but yeah. my mistake in that, and this is what I told you, this was months ago, but my mistake in that is I thought I was in, I was acting as if I was in a philosophy discussion, philosophical discussion. I was not. I was in a personal discussion. (laughs) I was not. So that, that was a learning point for me, you know, two years into doing pretty much two years into doing the podcast and talking with philosophers and stuff. I mean, that's not, it's not a crazy thing to ask people to define terms, but, but in, in, you know, you're talking to Johnny down the street, like he's, he, he, he thinks you're being, you're challenging him when you ask him to define a term as opposed to being curious about what he actually means. (laughs) It seemed like Socrates, uh, the people that were chatting with him felt the same, yeah. <laughs> the same way. God damn. Yeah, it's not enjoyable. Like, what do you mean by justice? You know, because these things are difficult. It's difficult to um, define your terms. I just put out a short article this morning, which is on my mind of 
hope. And uh, I don't know. I find these things interesting, the diverse opinions on things, you know, and it's like all over the map when it comes to hope, like Nietzsche and the Stoics rail against it. And, you know, all sorts of other people talk about it being the most important thing. Mm. Um, But it's difficult to define, Mm. you know, like a lot of terms. I mean, some are not like I kind of put in there. I was talking about the golden mean. And if you take like courage, which most people use as an example of the golden mean, you know, recklessness on one side, cowardice on the other. Oh, easy to understand. Courage. I got it. But with some of the other virtues, it's it's much more challenging, you know, yeah. especially something like hope. And it kind of depends. And some of these things are like a, like a bit of a tightrope thing. Like there is some like this virtue thing here. But then it gets, I don't know, like the, the narrowness of it. It seems to differ like across the, mm. you know what I mean? The virtues, if that makes any sense. Do you ever think about that? Yeah. Like maybe temperance, there's a broader path where it's this and that. I mean, that's up to debate. But with some of these things like hope, for example, you like fall off into not good stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like clinging and desire and all sorts of this other stuff. And then like, fall off to the other side and then it's like nihilism and you know what I mean? Hopelessness. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, maybe that's me just being weird in terms of thinking about it. Yeah. Hope, hope can be a dangerous one. Um, I don't know. I think maybe you need a little, maybe there's like a grain of hope that you need because I think, and the, the reason I say that is because the, the process of the philosophical process, even that of logos, that of like really self-improvement, it's kind of based on the idea that you can get somewhere better and yeah, you know, there's gotta be a little bit of hope in that. Now, do you, do you hope that you get the job promotion tomorrow? No, probably not. Maybe that's a little dangerous, but do you hope that you can become better? Is there a hope for that? There kind of has to be right. I mean, what about the opposite? What about lack of hope? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It just seems like it's an interesting thing of, uh, I mean, there's definitely a golden mean. There's definitely yeah. a, in my view, a virtue of hope. But it does, um, yeah, it's just a narrow thing in, in the way of, you know, defining the terms type of stuff. It can be, it can be challenging at times, especially to define the terms. Like, I don't know, back to that that conversation on on Rogan, simply... Like, I'm assuming when you say you could easily see where they differ, it's like mm. you could easily see they kind of have a fundamental different view and belief. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, it it, it was specifically on the purpose of marriage. Um, so Matt Walsh was making the point that the, the purpose of marriage was to create a stable environment for children. Fair enough, right? And Rogan agreed with that, but would say, but it's also a celebration of love for the partner. Yeah. And I actually agree with Rogan on this. I think it's like, I don't know if it's 50-50, but it's at least 30, it's a, it's at least a third of, you know, just a show of love and commitment for your partner. And so they were disagree. They were saying, basically, or Matt was saying that 
if we let gay people get married, then all of a sudden he didn't see the purpose of that. And Morgan was like, well, no, there is a purpose. And it's that yeah. they want to celebrate their love. And they they would have that little, it was so interesting because and I, I don't know, maybe this is how people <clears throat> deal with conflict is that you kind of, you touch on where you actually disagree, but then you kind of bounce off to ease the tensions. And then you talk about something else and then you bump back again on what you actually disagree on. Cause they would keep coming back to that point, but they would never resolve it. And I think, I think maybe if there was like someone there from the third perspective that could kind of take, take a bigger view of it and say, well, th this is actually what you disagree on is, is the, the, the purpose of marriage in and of itself. That's the disagreement. It's not even on like whether or not people deserve to be loved or this or that, or it's not at all. Like that was actually it, but they bounced around that for quite some time. So I, I don't know if that's like part of the, part of making sure the conflict doesn't elevate because, yeah. you know, if you and I are having a discussion and we hit some conflict and we can't get past that wall, you know, we might bounce off and then go talk about something we agree on for a few minutes to, to kind of just like, I don't know, maybe to remind each other that we agree on something so that we don't resolve the blows. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's interesting though. But the, um, I mean, can't you just, I want to say like, if you're from the perspective of not necessarily trying to influence the other person, it's just kind of from a different view and belief. Like something can, I mean, whether you agree with it or not, not necessarily like categorizing one thing wrong, this thing, right. But even the thing of um, like, there isn't one particularly like view and, and belief or like perspective on things. Like something looks like this from this angle, come over here. It looks like this over here, even just like, like that golden mean type of thing. I don't know. It, it's, um, it, it is interesting. Like, but in your, in your episode, how you were bringing up like these evil characters underground man like any any one of them that you mentioned it's like from their particular view and belief of the world like it's making sense yeah they have clarity right <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's just like it's all fitting together this is like this is it um and not that like we have to I mean, but could you imagine like sitting there trying to influence the underground man, oh, God. you know, of, uh, of that, like, I don't know, maybe you're better off if we come to the thing or to get to the place that you're talking about. If it's just from a say of like understanding, like, why do you think that? Why do you think that? Why do you think that like peeling back and trying to understand someone's view and belief? I don't know. is an interesting thing. But that might be pretty annoying, too. Well, that's where faith comes in, I think, because um, <clears throat> I think that really plays in with 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 what you mentioned there. Um, if and what I mean by that is if you act out, if you have faith that life can get better or that you can become better, you you, you act out in ways that manifest that into the world based. And it's basically your worldview or your perspective on things. Right. So. 
you know, um, I heard Peterson say this in a TikTok video. It was really, really great. But he said, you know, is life, is life good? Is life worth living? And he said, the answer is if you act out that life is good, it becomes better. And I think the opposite is true. I think if you, if you believe that the world's out to get me and life sucks and you act that out, life becomes shittier. I think that's, that's very clear. It doesn't become better. That's for damn well sure. Well, yeah, but I, I think it also depends on like your view and belief of what better is. Like, True. Can my life become better? Like you're Hitler. You're thinking that. Like can life become better? His whole steps towards what is better is like totally different. You know what I mean? It's obviously evil and chaos and all of that. But in his mind, it's not. In his mind, it's it's better. We're gonna do some things. We're gonna improve some things. So it's like like that's a view and belief is as well. Sure. Like the underground man. I wonder what his version of oh. of improving his life is. You know, it's like uh, man. Yeah, it's a but it's a strange thing. Like it's views and beliefs all the way. But it's, you know, what's the wise or wiser, like, view and belief of of things? Yeah, well, what's going to make, what's going to allow you to flourish? What's going to allow you to become happier? What's going to allow you to feel better in your own, in your own skin and in your community and in the world and in the, and in the universe? Um, you know, that that's kind of like the, the stoic perspective. That's why sometimes I think... I mean, you know, you know, I, I wrestle with stoic thought quite a bit, but I don't know, man. I think it's, I think that particular element is hyper true. Um, that element of like alignment with everything, you know? Yeah. What, what do you mean you wrestle with it though? Well, you know, I like when... I've, I've, I've wrestled with a, a lot of the stoic ideas like dichotomy of control <clears throat> and virtue is the only good. And, and even like stoic talking about stoic redemption, and I, I just recorded an episode on, uh, um, Jesus, what was it? Grace in Stoicism. So, like, the, you know, it's interesting because you, you don't hear a lot of these religious terms being applied to Stoicism because they came after Stoicism. But I, I like to kind of wrestle. I mean, I enjoy it. I, I like wrestling with these ideas and trying to figure out what's true. But I, I think that element of that cosmopolitan view, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't see why that isn't the best perspective to have that particular one. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think that to me, it's like when that perspective shows up like across traditions, like you should look at that as, as maybe validation of it, of it being really important, a really wise perspective something to to cultivate sure um because like the the underground man any any sort of list of evil characters throughout history like they're missing that like you can say definitively like that perspective is not there yeah for sure yeah and and and, and i don't know like uh, i think for me what i've learned um, actually mostly just by doing that episode, I guess, thinking it through, it's like, you really just, 
Like these aren't people to hate. These are people to really just feel sorry for. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. And and it's hard because they they do hurtful things. They do damaging things to people and they cause destruction yeah. in the world. But it's like, God damn, like would you rather be the victim or would you rather be the the person with the whip? You know, it's like Yeah. Uh and that 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 was a major philosophical finding of Solzhenitsyn that he uh you can consider yourself a victim because you're in a work camp and you're being starved and worked to death. Or you can think, well, actually life is about the development of the soul and the people that are holding that whip. I mean, he used the word swine. He said they are swine. Yeah. It's not people to be hateful for. You feel sorry for them. They're Jesus. They're living in hell. Yeah. I don't know why that's so hard for so many of us. You know, I think that's, we have some differing probably views and beliefs and perspectives on things, but I think that's definitely one that we share around, I don't know, the the nature of evil, who who knows what you would, what you would call it. Um, But even that, um, like Socrates of no unknowingly kind of does evil like that doesn't sit with everybody because there's this thing of like they know well it's like from an ignorant perspective you know they know from this limited perspective as you know like Socrates and stuff would call like evil essentially just like ignorance but it seems like you know all throughout and even in your your episode where it's like that seems to need to be part of the recipe to make sense of it to understand that like when people know better they do better type of thing you know how can you have com- compassion it's like they're just missing this wise perspective and you know many it's there's many views and beliefs but they probably have like backward you know, or unwise views and beliefs on many, many things. But it's weird that it's so challenging for us. It's very, it's very hard. You know, and I think, I think if you look at the people that do that, though, let, let's say, uh, let's say the Cain in the Cain and Abel story, you know, the, the person who tries to do good, who aims up, but just doesn't get God's grace, you know, just doesn't get the blessings. And you, you know, you do that long enough, you become resentful and you become the underground man if if you let it. But it's almost like there's, there's a loss of faith there. And that, which I think is caused by the bitterness. And then that leads into destruction. It's like, like if I, if I can't win this game, why the hell am I going to play anyway? So why don't I just destroy the damn game? It's, it's that perspective. So you look at someone who, let's say they they want to flourish, someone that wants good friends, that wants a relationship, that wants children, that wants a good job. But and they've they've tried, man. They've tried to the best of their wisdom, to the best of their knowledge, and then they reach a certain point where they've just completely lost faith that they can get better at all. Now, I would say that's a lack of wisdom, because I think most people can. Or it's a lack of perspective. Because I see some people too. Like I work with people that 
they uh, they say that they're, you know, they're these terrible people and you look at them objectively. It's like, dude, you got a stable job. <laughs> you know, you're still yeah. still with your wife. You're trying to take care of your kids or whatever it is. I think sometimes we, we lack wisdom of our virtues too. But um, so sometimes I think it's a matter of perspective, but sometimes I think it's just people just lose faith that they can get better. And I think that's a, that's a lack of wisdom. Of course you can get better. But if you really believe that, that no matter what you do, you can't make your life better. Let's just get rid of all the life. I think that's, that's the place that they go to. Like in, in your stuff as strength training and all that big part of your life, obviously you like work with people and stuff like that. Um, it seems like that it it shows up in these particular areas. Like you mentioned the uh, like work, maybe a promotion, you know, you work hard for a couple months or a couple of years and it doesn't necessarily result in X, Y, Z. So you, you, maybe it makes sense to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Same thing in terms of the uh, fitness and strength training stuff. It's like, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of time and if there's results don't match some sort of maybe prediction or expectation, it's like we kind of lose the wind in our, in our sales, which is like strange. I, I got to bring back a previous conversation we had. Remember, we were talking a bit about goals. This was maybe a couple months ago, but goals and it was talking about like where you are, where you want to go and things like that. And the process, I may have butchered that, mm -hmm. but I think like sometimes that is another reason in, of, um, you know, it's like, there's a benefit to getting specific and creating these like measurables and little like mini milestones and stuff, but there's definitely a, a downside sometimes. Cause if you don't, particularly hit those little milestones it's like person could disappear you could abandon that particularly project you know yeah for sure yeah i mean they they, they can have a, a downside i think it's good to have like what i don't know maybe a couple goals on the same thing like if you um yeah you know i want to get i want to add 10 pounds to my squat but if i get the same weight that's okay too, right? I think yeah. this was a, a huge perspective change for me is it kind of ties in with your buddy Heraclitus there in terms of impermanence, <clears throat> which I think is a very important thing to consider. And what that means to me, impermanence, when it comes to this goal setting and achieving things, it's we have this notion, this false notion, foolish notion that things stay the same but they don't things regress if if you yeah. do nothing man things get worse things don't stay the same if you sit on the couch and do nothing all day your life is going to be hell in in like 2 months same thing with the gym if you, you know if you stop going to the gym man you're not going to go back in 3 months and have the same max squat you're going to be much less strong and so when you think about it like that Sometimes progress is staying where you are. In fact, all yeah. in my in my opinion, progress is always if you can maintain where you are, 
that's still better than regressing, which is what would happen if you did nothing. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting in terms of um, like celebrating staying where you are <laughs> yeah. in a particular thing. Yeah. Like where does that not not apply? Does that not apply to uh, anything that comes to mind? I mean, it's certainly not optimal. Optimal is you get better, yeah. but, you know, that's not always – I mean, you, you talk to someone that's like 70 years old and they're still going to the gym. It's like, man, progress for them. That's awesome. Progress for them is squatting the same amount. Progress for yeah. them is not losing five pounds on your squat. It's only losing one yeah. pound over a year. You know what I mean? Like it's a complete different change yeah. of perspective. And I um, and I tend to think like even just as that example, like you were just talking about there, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm like hyper focused on on the process of uh, man. That 70-year-old just went, like, they were there. What an amazing thing. Like, that's awesome. Just showing up. There's this thing in uh, the Bhagavad Gita, which is common, and it shows up in many different things, but maybe that's, like, the original source of um, this idea of letting go of the fruits. Like, you only have right to the action. Yeah. Basically, like, you just get to do the work. That's it. You don't get any of the benefits. You don't get any of the thing. Just show up and and do, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you do. That's a difficult thing, but I don't know. I think that I could see where maybe that's not helpful for some because obviously there's research around, you know, we want to see progress. And for some, you know, that's wind in the sails and keeps people moving and stuff like that. But uh, Well, the progress updates your what your actions right you're, you're using that as as an input as wisdom to adjust things as needed right but again you have to apply the context like if you're if you're 20 years old and you just, you never squatted before and you're going to start squatting like dude you're going to do really well if you're 70 years old and you've squatted your whole life it's like it's a completely different thing yeah. it's completely different right yeah the um maybe to shift gears since we we already kind of beat that dead horse in the yeah. in a previous conversation we i could see we might might go down go down that path a bit um that that song you sent me yeah what do you think of that <laughs> it's i i enjoyed it maybe at a um I only listened to it a couple times, but maybe maybe from a different different level of of understanding than for you. But why why is that? You know, something meaningful, or you think it's something important? Yeah. So, well, first of all, if anyone wants to go listen, it's you probably haven't heard it, but it's a it's called "Hold Me, Mother" by Sean McCann, M C C A N N. If you want to just listen to it before we chat about it, but I'm curious what first what you thought like what were your thoughts when you first started and I don't want to go like line by line and dissect the song but there's some really interesting themes here but I'm just curious because I'm still confused by that song <laughs> so yeah. I'm curious what you thought of it um I don't know I was thinking of of some themes of 
a bit of, I want to say, guilt, you know, from, from him on some of these these choices or paths that he might have um, embarked on. But, like, as I always, as I mentioned, like, earlier on, like, I think of a lot of things as uh, forgiveness, you know, and it's like, how do you let go? But there's one... Uh, there's one line that I, I love in it, though. He says, uh, heart on my sleeve and a glass in my in my hand. Mm. It's like, what? Do, yeah, what does he mean by that, you know? Yeah, so <clears throat> like I said, I don't want to go line by line, but I, I want to talk about the, the overall story here because this was like, this is, it's so crazy. This is one of those stories for me that I don't think you can make it up, man. I like it. You know, sometimes you hear a story and you're like, somebody... Some genius had to write that, <laughs> but like this, this, this shit actually happened. But Sean McCann, he was in one of the top Canadian bands for 20 years mm. for called Great Big C. They were like the kitchen party band, party band, right? Just old folk music and all kinds of stuff. It's my favorite band growing up. Anyways, 20 years into the band, this guy left completely by surprise. And everyone, I mean, I was personally pissed. I was like, what the hell, man? Because um, this is like my favorite band and everyone loved this this band and you'd never think that they would break up. You know, it's kind of like you go to a party and you see a bunch of friends hanging out together and they're, they're like the life of the party. And then one of them eventually just like, you know what? I can't be friends with you guys anymore. And they never come back. You're like, what the hell does this mean? So anyways, he goes out and he releases this album and this is one of the songs and no idea what most of those songs were about. And then I think it was probably like a year later or something like that. He goes to this, addictions meeting and we knew at this point he did say that he had he had struggled with alcoholism so he was an alcoholic and just drinking way too much right so we knew that that was a part of it and he had to leave the band to get away from the alcoholism because they were like a party band right and um let me see what i'm thinking here so yeah so he goes to this this addictions meeting and he hears people confess what they've been through. And he didn't plan this. He just went up and he confessed what happened in front of everyone for the first time ever. The only one who ever knew about this was his wife. When he was a kid, he was in a small town, small town, Newfoundland, and they're all Catholics. And there was a new priest in town. The priest befriended their family, became really close, would like wrestle with the son, Sean at the time. And, uh, have dinner at their house. Like it was real. they were really close with this guy. The priest wants to bring him to Rome to meet the Pope on a, I guess a pilgrimage, I guess you would call it. And so he, Sean worked his ass off. You know, they didn't make, they didn't have a lot of money. It was a small town, Newfoundland again, there's mostly pretty poor fishing villages, but he worked his ass off to pay for the flight. They went and the, the priest molested him for, the trip and, wow. and um you know didn't tell anyone of course didn't didn't tell anyone but held that up until he met his wife he told his wife his band members didn't know which were his best friends and he would try this this is this is where i really want your perspective man because it's so crazy to me he would try to tell his mother about it but his mother was close to this guy and his father was close to this guy. And, and it's worse than that. 
you know, there's a song, there's a lyric in the song. When I was 15, I met the Pope. When I was 16, I met rum and Coke. Mm. So that's why he started drinking. Now, this is the crazy thing is that his mother saw him drinking and would tell him to go back to God, would tell him to go back to the church, would tell him to go back to this priest that she loved so much. To the point where he, he, he molested him again at one point after that. She told him to go over to his house, and he ended up just molesting him again. And um, so it was this cycle. It was this cycle of, like, alcoholism, getting drunk, and then realizing, like, trying to come to terms with that, and, like, no, I got to stop this shit. He stopped drinking, and then he would get those nightmares back. He would get the, the trauma back that he had to deal with. And he didn't want to deal with that, so he'd go back to alcohol. But he'd go back to his mother. He'd say, Mom, listen, I, I need... He'd try and tell her. He'd try and get some kind of salvation, some peace out of it. And she would just tell him to keep going back to the church, back to the church. So that line that you mentioned, uh, you know, she says, she would say, you got to find God. And he would say, but I couldn't find him. So back here I am, my heart on my sleeve and a glass in my hand. And uh, yeah, so that's, Oh, and the guy describes the song as a love letter to his mother, a love song to his mother. And I I can't for the life of me understand that. But it's such a crazy, tragic story. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I I was not at all familiar with the background on it. It is... um, It's crazy. Like, the nature you know, of evil, like the evil things that can happen from these, you know, even people, you know, priests, gurus, like, et cetera, like leaders of, of countries, such a, such a strange thing. Um, yeah. The, uh, There's been uh, like quite a few stories like that, you know, like the uh, Catholic Church, like this recent like long investigation over the last like five years of uh, of young people bringing it to their parents and their parents not necessarily, I don't know, like not believing them or... I want to say there's maybe even been uh, like parents that have like covered sure. for uh, priests where it's, it's this weird thing as, as humans, we can, uh, what would you call it? Like idolize, you know, like particular people, like in positions of, of power. Maybe that's not the best word, but, uh, what a what a strange thing but it did sound like in that song that there was some forgiveness for his mother yeah well you think or no yeah i do but, but you know and the, the we can get like the, understanding maybe yeah, is a better word yeah there is there was some understanding there for sure um i don't know i mean i i do think that some people covered it up and I think this was his case too, is just because he 
You've wrote a book on it, by the way, for anyone that's interested. Very, very dark. But um, yeah, I mean, so just on the nature of like, of like keeping secrets. That that was kind of like one of his biggest lessons. Is you you know you're embarrassed about something. I mean, you're not going to be you're not going to want people to know about that. Like if you got molested by the family priest, and you're not going to want your mother to know. You're not going to want your father to know. Certainly not going to want the world, the family to know. Yeah. And, you know, but he, he says this, I saw, I had very lucky to see him live a couple of times. He says, he said, a, a secret can kill you, but a song can save your life. You know, and a song for mm. me represents harmony. Wow. But, you know, he's, you know, he said he held on to the secret all these years trying to think, how do I come to terms with this? How do I come to terms with this? And he, he realized at a certain point that the only way to defeat a secret is to tell it. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that moment of clarity in that in that AA meeting where he's, he's seeing all these people just confess about the horrible things that were done to them. And he had this clarity yeah. that, you know, I mean, God, like that's a, can you imagine? That's like such a huge secret. And, <clears throat> and to do that almost, to tell the world that almost on an impulse, you know, because you have this clarity by by watching everyone else do it, I mean that's really the benefit of those meetings. It's it's an amazing thing for anyone who can sort of get their life back together through something like that. Isn't it um, interesting from these uh, twelve steps? Like I haven't I haven't been through, so I don't have like you know personal experience. Um, but I almost wish I had. I uh I, I spent probably much of my adult life drinking far more, well, up to about age 30, you know, just really drinking far more than anybody should, you know, not necessarily on a daily basis, but kind of grew up in terms of a culture where you like party hard, like drink a lot on the, on the weekends. Um, and I don't know, for some reason, I, at some point in time, I just stopped, mm. but like those 12 steps, if you look at those, like even for someone that doesn't necessarily have a drinking problem, it does seem like a real path to actually some authentic self-improvement. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I heard somebody say one time that um, for drinking, if you go to see, a, you know, a therapist and go to like counseling and stuff like that, that the success rate is just like next to nothing, you know? Um, Oh, I I think it was, I think I heard the person, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's something about the many selves that we have. Hmm. And it was basically saying like the person that goes to see that therapist is a different person than the person that's like boozing it up, you know, where at these meetings, it's, it's kind of a space where it's that same person. Like everybody's probably heard something or seen in a movie where it's like, uh, you know, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic, you know, of like really showing up as that person. It's like, we talk about our um, darkness and stuff like that, mm. like understanding it, like going there. I mean, it's, it's a bit of like what they're doing in those spaces of like bringing some of your darkness out there which yeah. like 
where can you do that? <laughs> you know, it's like we can have conversations about our darkness and stuff like that, like close friends. But there's not necessarily where he could go and sit down with a group of strangers that were all basically on this path of exploring their darkness. And I want to say it's like steps. Um, I've looked it up before, like steps four or five, where you like make amends and you, you know, forgive people and you, you know, you go basically like accept responsibility for your your wrongdoings and stuff like that. You know, um, things that you've done. It's interesting. I'm I'm happy to hear that you felt this, uh, this theme of forgiveness throughout that song. You know, when I, again, when that first came out, it wasn't even out that he got molested or anything. So, you know, my girlfriend at the time, I remember I, I had her listen to it because I was, I was so confused. And I was mad too, by the way. I Like this artist, um, I feel like I got a connection with him in some sense because like when he left the band, he was pissed off. When he left the band, I was pissed off, you know, yeah. because I, I, again, it was my favorite band. And then, you know, he released this album and I think he was deeply confused because he still didn't really confess uh, everything that happened. And, and I was really freaking confused. And then he comes out with the truth and I'm, and then, I, and you know, goes through that. And I, I just felt like I was right there with him for most of it. Um, and I, I met him in person. He's just, just a really, Oh yeah. 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 Really great guy. But, uh, but yeah, anyways, I, I got my girlfriend at the time to listen to it. And I was like, what the hell do you think this is about? Like <laughs> what is going on with this song? And, you know, she said, it sounds like she, he's blaming his mother for his alcoholism. And I said, I, I said, I don't know. Like, I really had no idea until all that came out. And I'm, I guess you're right, man. There is that, that air of forgiveness. Cause it's like, like, here's, here's where you missed the mark, mom. And, but, but I still want to go back to you for answers. You know, you, because there was still that, there was still good intentions there. There was still love. And, and I think, and I think at some point too, he recognized that he held on to that secret. You know, he held on to that secret at the end of the day, and and you know, it's it's hard to it's a really hard thing to say. Well, you should have just told the truth, right? I'm not I'm not saying that. It's a very very hard thing to do, but I do think that there's this sense in him as well that, like, yes, he would go and he would try and tell his mother what happened, and she would say, "Go back to the church. Go back to your friend." And I think he recognizes that he probably, it's on him that he didn't actually tell the truth, that he he continued to go back through these cycles and and things happen in their own time sometimes. And I, again, I want to be very humble in saying this because I don't, I've never been in such a situation and I I can't imagine how, how brutal that would be. But it's, I mean, the song is called Hold Me Mother. Yeah. The... It's interesting to to transition a bit away from like the trauma for a second. You know how there's this thing, well, there's this thing of like Catholic guilt. Yeah. You know, Um, but even uh, like questions of faith, like I I remember having some guy on the, on the podcast, uh, a while ago, author wrote the book Nasty, Brutus, and Short, a book about, you know, kids are good philosophers and how to, you know, help your kids. And um, 
you know, and ask them about these like difficult questions, you know, cause he says something towards the end of the thing, end of the song, uh, basically like I look to the sky and I remain undecided. Yeah. But it seems like naturally, like we can have these questions about everything. And like sometimes it's to stereotype, maybe for like the devout Christian, like the answer to that is the church, is God, is whatever it may be. You know, there's like this uncomfortable thing with questioning things. Like you said, you, you know, wrestle with Mm. the Stoics a bit. Like Peterson talks about wrestling with, with God. Um, but it's interesting, like a lot of these theologians, like Thomas Merton is the one that I, I, I really, really like. Um, but just like these hard questions, like wrestling with with God and stuff like that. Um, I don't exactly know, you know, where I'm going, but it is like an interesting thing of of thinking about like that situation of when he basically says something i'm sure he probably like maybe the parents you know could have noticed something noticed the shift maybe there was something said but we're uncomfortable with exploring back to like the initial conversation of like the view and belief you know we went from like a heart on my sleeve to a glass in my hand Mm. like oh what's the what's going on? Like what's the view and belief that's shaping that, that behavior or something like that. Right. I mean, I'll throw another one in there. Um, Cause you know, you talk about these unanswerable questions because I think he says this in the course near the end, he, he says to his mother, tell me a story and make it half true. <clears throat> and that's interesting too, because why, why would you want something to be half true? And the answer is because you're not so sure you can handle the truth. Um, but, but the, he follows that with, was it something I did or I didn't do? You know, so that that's one of those very yeah. difficult questions. It's like, why did this happen? That's what he's trying to figure out. It's like, was it because, I didn't tell the truth. And, and was it because I let the priest get me drunk on the first night? Was it because I agreed to stay in the hotel room with him? Why did this happen? Yeah. And and I think it's, it's hard. I mean, Jesus Christ, man, this was just a guy that wanted to go meet the Pope. Yeah. You know, like worked his friggin' ass off to make the money and, and then you know he's sitting here asking him asking himself for like 20 years what did i do or what didn't i do why did this happen and what did what what role did i play in that happening he's like he's 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 just haunted by this question yeah connected like maybe a curious question um for the future i i read something recently um, the guys with uh, that do the Rebel wis- Wisdom, I think they changed it to uh, bigger picture or something like that. But it was a really long article on trauma, and it was talking about 
you know, all these different sides of, of trauma. And there's this stuff of like, it's like trapped in the body or something like that. And then there's this other leading expert that I think it wrote the book, the end of trauma um, that says basically like, we don't like forget these things or, you know, it's, um, but maybe as a, as a topic to explore, you know, further, but like, how do you think about trauma? It does seem like in terms of forgetting stuff, you know how we can maybe repress it to a certain extent, but it's almost like distract ourselves. Like maybe you start drinking, like in this particular case, you know, you do other things. So maybe you put that into like a thing of like repression, but like we still know it seems, I mean, yeah, I would agree in terms of, uh, there, there's this stuff of, um, how to say it, uh, like where we are just like not aware of our trauma. Does that make, like, is that something that yeah. people say? And it seems like, like in this situation, it, it seems like we, we are aware, you know, um, we just don't necessarily like always know how to handle it or make sense of it. But yeah, I don't, yeah, no, I don't know. No, really well said, man. I think it's like, Sometimes, sometimes we do repress it. Sometimes we, sometimes we, uh, we know, and maybe we always know on some level of consciousness. Um, but sometimes we just can't, we can't deal with the outcome. So we, we bury it, you know, we bury it in alcohol. Uh, yeah, it's hard. And, and, and I think, you know, to, to harp on, on uh, a common theme that we talk about is it's like forgiveness, you know, as the way to really transcend that trauma. And I think that forgiveness has to include yourself. Here's something interesting. Uh, this is a part of the story too, just that, um, again, don't think you could write it. Like it's just, so he breaks up with this band and his band kind of just, I love them too, actually, but, they don't really talk to him. They're mad at him too, right? So there's kind of this wall between them. They don't talk anymore. He also loses all of his other friends because now he doesn't drink anymore. So the phone stops ringing. Um, he uh, he makes this bitter resolution that I am no longer going to play the band songs. No longer going to play the Great Big C songs because he, he can't. He just can't handle the pain, right? He says he just felt really mm. bitter about how everything ended. And uh, he goes to this small concert in small town Newfoundland. There's lots of those bumping around. He goes out into the field behind the stadium before he gets up. He sees this woman crawling around on the on the grass, just crawling around, right? And uh, so he goes to check on her to make sure she's okay. You know, he says, so he goes up to her. He says, hey, what? Are you okay? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm looking for four leaf clovers. 
And she says, I know you. She says, you're Sean McCann. Everyone in Newfoundland knows him. So you're Sean McCann. And, uh, you know, I heard your story and I came to see your show. And she said, I got into an accident years ago. And the resulting trauma from that means that I can't go to big concerts anymore. So for years, I couldn't go see any great big seat concerts because it's too many lights and too loud and i i just my my health can't handle it Mm. but i can come to these smaller shows that you're doing so i made my way here are you going to play any great big c songs tonight (laughs) and uh you know it's just a beautiful thing that obviously he he described it he says his heart exploded when she said that and he said that whole he said that whole concert that's all he played was great big c songs and that that was like that act of forgiveness mm-hmm. and she she found she ended up finding a four leaf clover for him and he had it nice. um he had it silverized and he wears it as, as a necklace now <clears throat> but just like just a wonderful thing of you know god damn you get you get some you, you need one angel sometimes you know you need one person yeah. To be like, listen, <laughs> point you in the right direction. You need to get over this. And I want you to sing those songs that you don't want to sing because you're hanging on to some anger and bitterness that you need to let go. Yeah. I love that story. The, um, you know, the, the Heraclitus idea and stuff like that, that I'm fond of or, you could apply it to to any 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 of these sages where it's like a moment there can be like a shift in terms of a moment um it seems like that is a helpful reminder to know you know where it's like yes there are some stable things about us yes we navigate our way down a particular path. But, I mean, there still is this thing of where you could really do a 180. You can do a a 45-degree turn. Like, there can be a shift. Sometimes it's, you know, running into someone. But, I mean, sometimes it's just yourself. But, I don't know, it it seems to be important to, to realize that and recognize that it's like we do have this massive agency yeah. to particularly make make shifts and stuff like that. But yeah. I I wonder from the um, trauma thing, like to be on, honest, like you know, bringing up these heavy topics, you know, sometimes I uh, like get concerned about listeners and stuff like that, and these things of that brings up their trauma you think about the role of a of a a therapist or like a wise friend or whatever it may be maybe even sometimes like a book to help us make sense of these things to help like it helps to like broaden our perspective like when you think about that situation like McCann he has his view and belief of why he doesn't want to play those songs. 
And from that view and belief, it makes sense, you know, to a certain extent. It's like there was a period at the end of it. And then it's like this other person who has a backstory and another view and belief, you know, now he has like that perspective as well. And it alters his, yeah. you know, so it's like this idea of how do we broaden our perspective and like that is the wiser like view and belief. Like in this situation, it's, but, you know, you think you mentioned like the cosmopolitan, you know, it's essentially like the broadest perspective you could possibly have. Yeah. Now, maybe you need to hold that with other many other, you know, perspectives as well. But, you know, you're holding these multiple things and you come to some sort of wiser, um, you know, per- perspective. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the role that we play for each other in, in the, yeah. in the cosmos is, uh, is to help guide each other towards redemption. You know, that, that, yeah. that's very clear to me. And, and, you know, I'm saying that as someone that has always struggled with that as an individual man, like, you know, just letting people in and, 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 you know, there's always, there was always a part of me growing up that felt like if you, if someone had to help you, it means that you're helpless. And that's yeah. clearly not true. And I think it's, it's just not true, period. Yeah. It's just not true at all. I mean, we're all, we're all part of this greater whole. Um, And, and I, I think to contrast that a little bit is the lesson that you don't necessarily need to play the quote, quote, biggest role that you can play. And what I mean by that is, you know, Sean right now, Sean McCann, he's realizing that he's doing more good in the world, doing smaller shows where he can be more intimate with the audience, where he can talk to everyone, where he can take pictures with everyone. than he was filling out stadiums with these big lights and these big speakers and sell as many tickets as you can and make as much money from it as you can. That's something I think that we can all, I think we all need to realize as as a society, man, because we're so focused on, you know, as, as as a hypocritical guy would say, growing our Instagram accounts and growing our YouTube accounts. And it's like, you know, and personally that's, that stuff's important for me too, but, it does not replace, you know, these 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 really important relationships that you have directly that, that are really just there, you know. Like I wouldn't be doing this podcast with with anyone else, man. It's me and you. And it's it's not yeah. it's not what we're talking about. It's the fact that you and I have a have a, a, a really good friendship and that's why I do it. That's what's important. It's not even about the numbers, it's not about this, it's not about that. And I think having that perspective of like it's not always quantity. Yeah. It's quality. Yeah, for sure. The, um, like that, that lesson from the Bhagavad Gita, like letting go of the fruits. I don't know. I think it's like a good measure of, um, to embark on something, you know, it's like, like, virtue is its own reward yeah like is this thing that you're gonna do like you and i connecting like it's its own reward yeah you know like 
anybody listens, gets any sort of benefit, whatever it may be. Like that's okay. It's like a bonus, I guess. What's a potential topic to transition to for, for next week? You want to do 15, 20 minutes and see if we can get into something for the future? It's a good question, man. Never thought that far ahead. To bring back like the process thing in the way of goals, where it's like, how can you get something where it's just its own reward? It's just like, like who gives a crap what happens from whatever and i think like sometimes um like the best diet is the one you can follow like the best whatever it may be you know exercise stuff like the thing that you that lights you up a bit the thing Mm. that you enjoy um and then it's, it's like the uh virtue is the only good it's like the Stoics think virtue is good. So it's like good is the only good. (laughs) You know, it's like, of of course, because that's, and I mean, I agree with them. Yeah. You know, it's like, that is, it makes you happy. You know, it's, it's best for the, for the world, for the people around you. Right. Yeah. It's just good all, all around like 360 degrees, you know? Um, Cause then it's, it's, it's not a chore. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's like an opportunity, you know, it's, it's a, it's a gift. It's, it's a privilege. Like Marcus really said the, the fruit of this life, like he probably used that word particularly like, you know, the fruit mm. of this life, the real good stuff, the real sweet, you know, stuff is a good character and acts for the common good. Yeah. It's just, um, but then it's, it's a weird thing in, in terms of, you know, the evil people that we were talking about, mm. having kind of compassion for them. They're just not experiencing any of the fruit of this life. Exactly. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that a shame? You know, it's yeah. like, um, yeah. just never, and, and sometimes it's from, uh, like you see the McCann story. Where it maybe has a bit of a, you could call it maybe a happy ending, hmm. you know, like some of those stories probably turn towards some underground man endings. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, and oh man. Yeah. And, and that, could, that almost happened with him too. That's the crazy yeah. thing because he, uh, this is all in his book, by the way, but he ended up right at the end, he quit the band and he was. I think he was kind of like trying to get out of alcohol, but he was still finding his way back to it. Didn't really come to terms with the trauma yet. Didn't tell the truth about it yet. Ended up cheating on his wife. Mm. And uh, that was like, you know, she basically told him like, this is it, man, you know? And um, God, like that, he very well could have. And, and you know, what, what made him yeah. not, it was, it was, the choice, finally the choice to, to tell the truth, you know, yeah, and, and come to terms with that. The, uh, you know, like he decided to go to this community, like a group, some sort of a, Hey thing. And I think that's, um, that decision, 
like that choice. And maybe there's other paths for people, you know, like therapists. This, you know, we, we talked about some of the different stuff. But like who you go to, like we were talking the other day about parents and stuff like that and thinking for yourself. Um, I, don't, I think it's so important of, of this idea of like not just thinking for yourself, but like there can be this thing of where you're, you think that your parents maybe have like a wise response. And I don't know, it's an important thing to think about because maybe, yeah, that might not be the case. Yeah. And that's okay. Like it doesn't make them any sort of less than or anything like that. But in the way of, if you find yourself in a difficult spot, you find yourself, you know, stuck like McCants or, you know, whatever it may be. A lot of times our go-to is, you know, a parent, family, stuff like that. Maybe the wisest thing is like, you know, going to some sort of community like he did. Maybe it's picking up a book on stoicism or Buddhism or, you know, who do you know that is is wise? Because sometimes maybe you're too close to your parents to even know mm. one way or the other. Well, that was and that was the case is that the trauma was too close to home. Yeah. It was it was someone that literally had supper with them regularly. Yeah. You know, so there was that personal element. But yeah, you raise an interesting question. It's like what what caused him to even go in the first place? And it's almost like there is this this just this tiny push that I think that we all really want to be okay. Like we all want to flourish, I think. And it's like sometimes it's just like a small step, you know. Um you know, I, I um I know a lot of people now that well, I don't know a lot, but I in general I think people struggle with close friendships today. Uh it seems to be a thing. Like we have a lot of shallow relationships, but they're not very deep, you know. And um and sometimes I just think sometimes you just need to Put yourself in the sun. You know, like sometimes you just really need, to, if you're struggling, if you can't make, if you don't have any friends or if you, you know, don't have a job that you like or something, sometimes you just have to put yourself in an environment that may allow that to happen. It's like if you plant a seed in the shade, chances go way down, right? If, if depending on yeah. what it is, of course. But, um, you know, there's a lyric that puts this really well. They said, you got to give the sun a chance to find you. What's that from? That's actually, it's from the same band, but it's a, it's, it's from the band song that he left, but that's a, oh, that's it's good. called let it go. Um, but let, you know, give the sun a chance to find you. It's like, sometimes the suffering that we have, the loneliness that we feel, it's like, are you going out? Are you trying to meet new people? Are you going to a gym where you can meet people? Are you have you tried new hobbies? Have you because if yeah. you if you haven't, it's like maybe you're not as pathetic as you think you are. Maybe you're just not putting yourself in the sun. But let me ask this though. It's like when you think of the span of human history, there are some things that we do now 
literally 99.9% of human history, it just haven't been done. Like now it's when you, you say like close friendships and, you know, community and all this. Well, now there's this thing, especially like in the West of you live by yourself. Like you're an adult, you're a responsible thing. You know, you, you live by yourself in this place with many rooms way bigger than you need. Cause that, you know, does something, but is that what's best for our well-being? you know, our own happiness, or would it be, you know, better if we lived with three or four people? Mm -hmm. I think about like from a family thing, you know, I have a family, like, you know, I have young kids where it's like, they're, you know, supposed to be in separate rooms that are in like different, you know, ways separated in this bigger house than you need where like 99% of human history you're talking like one room, like right. everyone is right there. There's no sort of structure that's at a distance and your, you know, your kids are there. I mean, we're, we're social creatures. Like we were supposed to be close. I would tell mm -hmm. you like somebody, I, I would assume that someone living by themselves compared to somebody that, you know, maybe has a, a few roommates probably happier. Like, isn't it? Um, doesn't the research say like some of these Eastern countries like uh, Scandinavia and different things like that, where people are really close together or the happy always come up as the happiest places. But I don't know. There, there's like, that's just one that comes to mind, but there's many of these examples that come up where 99.9% .9 of human history, we didn't do it this way. And now we're doing it a, a new, you know, way. Mm -hmm. You think like food and stuff like that, I guess, is another thing that, that comes up where there's some things that we do now that we've never Yeah, I think so, done. man. I think so. I think um, yeah. <laughs> speaking as a guy who lives alone in a house with way too many empty rooms, yeah. um, I, think, uh, I, think, I think that connection is important and I think we are, we are missing that, you know? And, and I guess I'll add a notion there that I, I work in person with a lot of people that, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and laborious things like, um, you know, like when I go on a, when I go on a tugboat, for example, you know, you're helping out, you help helping them out, bring their groceries in, you're, you're running out and picking them stuff up for them. Like there's, there is a, there is a, a community aspect to that where, um, that's why I, I got to say, I, I, this is one of the reasons why I love my job so much. Cause it really feels like, I'm part of the family, you know, you go on a boat, awesome. you go on a boat and it's like, um, you know, you go into the kitchen and they got food there, you know, you just grab the food. They know you go into, they'll, they'll still offer you to be polite, but like, they know that, you know, you're welcome to be there. I'm, I'm welcome to be there. And, uh, and man, that's, that's so important. And some of the happiest guys I know are guys that, that live, that live on tugboats that, um, the room is like yeah. five feet by five feet. They have a single bunk and there's like seven of them and they're sharing like two bathrooms. But man, if you can get that chemistry right and it, you have to get the chemistry right, of course, you can't just, can't just live with anyone. But if you get that chemistry right, man, these guys are so fulfilled. You know, even when they're crabby, sometimes they'll say like, 
oh, you know, screw this or whatever. And then, then they'll say, but you know, I, I really like my job. Like they'll always go back to the, especially if yeah. you ask them, if you poke them a little bit and say, ah, are you really, are you really that upset about it? And they'll say, no, no, I, you know, yeah. so there is certainly something to be said about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think at some of my time in the military where there's been experiences where you're able to like be in close quarters with a particularly team on a consistent basis. Cause the thing of the friendship thing and like creating some sort of, you know, deeper friendship and connection, it just takes time. Like you, you have to be around one another. You have to talk and communicate and like to go back to maybe the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about like the different views and beliefs, you know, you have to have a, a certain level of understanding of this yeah. other person and they've got to understand you and, and how you think to a, to a certain extent. And I'll tell you something, you know, that, I'll tell you something that the Latins got right. Cause I, I've, uh, I've dated several Latinas throughout my life and, um, always had a lot of Latin friends, man. They're so, they're so touchy for lack of a better word. They're, they're touchy. Like they'll, they always hug when you, when you meet each other and, uh, you know, it's like they'll they'll dance together and there's that there's that physical touch aspect as well, which I think is really important. And we're so afraid of that now. You know, yeah. like you go to a doctor and like the doctor's afraid to, you know, to, to make any physical contact for whatever reason. And and um man, I think that's so important. And I, I got into the habit of like hugging all my friends and stuff. Some of them think it's weird. I don't care. <laughs> Just like because I man, I yeah. like I would I would go to these these uh parties for lack of a better word with um with my girlfriend and man, everyone, you'd hug everyone. Like the guys would hug, the girls would hug, the girls would hug the guys like, you know, and, and, and like a little kiss on the cheek. Like it was very affectionate. These are people that I barely knew, you know, at first. So, um, that's such a, I think that's so important for, for, for health, mental health, man. You get, that's the benefit of having children because you, you, you really do get that sort of that skin to skin, that bonding, right. That I think is really vital. Yeah. How do you make sense of um it's kind of a paradox like this paradox of of being alone. I've heard it called like the paradox of solitude. Yeah. Where spending time by yourself you think of maybe silent retreat you know, in like Buddhist circles and really like other traditions. Uh, Thomas Merton talks about this as like learning to be alone as the path to connection. What is, what a strange, Mm. that's tough to under, I mean, I believe that to be true, but that is tough to understand why that is. Well, I think it's because you, your demons kind of come up when you're alone. So when your demons come up and you don't run away from it by running to your closest friend, you got to deal with it. And uh, so I think you, you learn who you are more by being alone. Not all the time, of course, but I think there's certain things that come up when you're alone that you don't get in groups. You know, like mm-hmm. how often are you going to think about death with a friend? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, but you're sitting alone late at night and you know, you haven't seen anyone in a week probably going to come up. Right. And you're going to have to deal with that. And of, of course, yeah. in stoicism, it's like, that's a very important thing. You got to learn how to deal with that <laughs> and, and put it to good use. 
and and by doing that, by becoming good with yourself, you do open yourself up to to connection because you're someone that's in a in a better position to connect. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Of um, like learning to be alone, as in we don't know. Like if you assume that we don't naturally know how, yeah. know how to, interesting, and that there is a bit of uh, natural like clinging and desire. You know, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's uh, it's interesting. I had a guest on that said that um, someone told him that we're all we're all just really <clears throat> trying not to be lonely. It's like that's the drive. That's the drive behind yeah. everything we do is just to not be lonely. Man, there's something to be said about that. Especially you talk about something like Cosmopolitan, which is trying to find connection with everything. Like, yeah. if that's not an antidote to loneliness, <laughs> you know, I don't know what is. <laughs> but the, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll have to continue that one. That That's an interesting thing. But it's, um, like, maybe there is truth of we're doing things to not be lonely. But that's not necessarily, like, the wise path. Or maybe mm. there's, like, a wiser, particularly, path of, um, you know, like, a, a guy like, like Anthony DeMello, you know, talks about, like, in relationships, you know, this... Uh, I've, I've probably said it a million times to you. I feel like some, some of this stuff of where it's like, like loving someone, but then like, if this person wants to leave hmm. like, to be happy for them, be like, Oh, you know, that there's no sort of like hooks in them. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's no sort of like, uh, uh, Oh, have you seen, um, God, you got to watch this. You got to watch this show. We got to chat about it. Um, Which one? But anyway, this uh, serial killer guy um, shackles his therapist in his basement, like around the ankle and like bolts it to the floor. Dude, for a second, familiar with for it? a second there, I was literally thinking he's talking about inside man, <laughs> but I had, no, I had to think about it. Yeah, no, it's no. very similar. Uh, Someone gets chained somewhere. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, definitely, man. But um, yeah, this, I mean, we don't literally do that, <laughs> you know, to people. And, <laughs> right. But th there is this thing of uh, where we should be. Like, I don't know, some of the Buddhist stuff talk about, like, love without, like, attachment. Yeah. I don't know. It does seem like there's a, some sort of way. They they have, like, a very different definition than, like, how probably many people in the West would, uh, you know, define it and stuff. But anyway, yeah. good stuff. Lots of stuff to uh, paradoxically speak about in the future. <laughs>